Hello, my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast. Weekly, Shaheen. Weekly? Weekly podcast. I mean, this is day seven. Day seven weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. Oh, shit. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber. <laughs> and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure, the man who is tastier than a $6 burrito, Mr. 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 Shaheen, Shaheen, Shaheen. Oh, the Nobody sees what I'm doing, but I have my hands up in victory. Touchdown, <laughs> 49ers. We got a show today, sir. We got a show today. Uh, special guest, Corey West, will be on later. Later on. Looking forward to talking to him, catching Definitely up. Definitely excited about that. Uh, probably number three. Fan of, of Rap Talk? Wait, who's number two? Well, obviously, Mama B isn't going to be like number one. Who's I number just figured T Man's in there. Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Big but fans. after after the ZVN, we have Corey West. Corey West. And then behind him is probably like Troy C. Ann. Yeah, maybe. Or actually, Dan Trotty. I think that Dan Trotty would fight Corey West for the number three position. I'm not going to get in the middle of that. None of I'd that. watch that's, that kind of a my, slaw wrestling match. None of, the, none of my problem. Maybe throw some. I put. I throw some jello. Throw some wrestling Nutella match. in that max just to see. <laughs> Make it delicious. Who? Who? Obviously a gentleman. Who's the gentleman that was like, yeah, wrestling in jello. That sounds good. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's get a kiddie pool. I want us to be wrong, and I want it to be a woman who's like, we should do this. I totally want to wrestle another Let's woman in wrestling. In a bikini we'll throw some jello in, in jello. We'll make money because we're just wrestling in jello entrepreneurship only in america only in america uh, where you come in up in central that. florida at fuck i can't remember the name of it there's a little town uh and right at bike week at the bar of this little podunk town they have coleslaw wrestling that's so gross because that's what you want in all your crevices <laughs> mayonnaise that's how you get an infection mm-hmm. oh my gosh um what have you been up to on two wheels sir um i Oh, we did a really fun thing this last week. You did a really fun thing, and I forgot you were doing the thing, and then I was like, oh, I wish I could go. I want to go do that thing, and then I was like, oh, I can't go do that thing. But tell me tell about the thing. You can't do the thing because your shoulder is still doing things. We'll talk about that. Stupid shoulders. Stupid shoulder. Just nail gun it back into place. <sighs> Seriously, right? Can't we just super glue that shit together? It'd probably be cheaper. I got to pay the bill today. It's probably going to be cheaper. It'd be fine. <laughs> um, so at Motocorsa, I've been wanting to do the... Uh, a, a thing where we're introducing our riders to adventure riding in the Pacific Northwest. We have so many great ways of going off the beaten path and, mm-hmm. you know, checking out some views at the very least, just for the views, just to be able to say, I've been there. I saw it, took a picture for the gram and booyah, I am now a motorcyclist. But all jokes aside, one of the things that most people, I mean, in motorcycle in general, right? It's that first step. Like, how do you teach somebody how to go around the track? We've kind of figured that one out with our track days and, so it was like taking that same mentality of the C group track day and saying, hey, let's go learn how to ride not on asphalt. So uh, we did the first ADV 101 class um, and it was pretty successful. We had our uh, friend and listener, Andy Janik, who came from Chicago with his lovely girlfriend, Susan. Um, she's all right. She's actually, you know, I'm, I'm glad she came because she's this tiny, petite little human being who was just riding around on a multistrada. Uh, and then our friend Jonas let her borrow his little KTM 350 and she was just buzzing around showing people how to do things. Um, 
So we had a little over a dozen people show up and we had the most Pacific Northwest weather ever <laughs> where it was dry for five days prior and then the, the night of and the day of it just deluged. Not even just dry, like hot. <laughs> it was hot and dry. This was like a nice, actually it was very humid. It wasn't even a nice day. It was a humid, wet, slick. Was it moist? Moist. Dank. Dank. Yeah. Kind of like peanut buttery and it was just all the top uh, uh, soil was just like clay, which was like. Okay, you're going to learn how to do all the shit in the rain. Welcome to Adventuring 101. And it was such a blast. It was so much fun. It was so cool and heartening to see people push each other in the most positive way possible, like watching your peers do it and then you do it and, you know, help each other out with it. And it was awesome. They got to learn the basics like uh, emergency braking, rear brakes only, and then both brakes, and then slaloms, and then figure eights, going over some whoops, doing some hill climbs and hill descents. And then we did a really tight, like, wooded section where you had to go through trees and stuff like that awesome we were there from like nine till three-ish had burgers super duper duper fun so and it was the best part of it was watching these people who were super shaky and fairly terrified of the concept of riding these 600 pound bikes because i counted i think like eight multi-strata 1200 enduros oh cool it was so cool to see all these big bikes out there and one of our friends was like i felt the axis of the earth shift a little bit there were so many big multi-stratas over there but um, it was really fun to watch people who were shaky and scared of it, who had never, ever, ever, ever been off of the asphalt, um, just progressively get better and get to the point where they were grinning and having a good time doing it. Whereas as opposed to in the beginning of the day, it was kind of trepidatious and I don't know what I'm doing. This is the, why am I doing this? Like, and it's raining and I'm wet and the moisture and the like, and, um, but it was super duper fun and I'm excited to do more of them. One of our friends has a Christmas tree farm and it's like five or six acres and he has essentially about a mile of track built in it. And he's very, very picky about who uses it. So several months of conversation, he was like, cool, come use it. And we did. And even he was like, this was great. We should do it more often at my place. I'm like, yes. Good. Because I want to go and I got an Africa twin in the garage. And Dude, we got your to. Africa twin would have been amazing at it. It was so good. So I finally got my extremely pretty Tiffany blue Multistrada V4S dirty i didn't ride it around much i was sort of emceeing the whole thing and walking around and making sure everybody was good but dude that thing hustles in the dirt i'm very proud of it and apparently has a little more ground clearance than the endura i didn't see that coming yeah um i threw some i know i know i threw some tractor yeah, you know, tires you know on what it. I'm about to say. i yeah. know i know i threw some track tractor tires on it and they did very well uh, a couple of our friends had the dunlop mission max 5050s on their bikes and those were <laughs> surprisingly good <laughs> They did really, really well. For as bad as the conditions were, they were doing a good job. And and uh, our friend Jonah said it perfectly. This allows you to do 85% of the shit you're supposed to do. And honestly, once you go over the kind of like that other 15 percentile, you probably need a specialty bike anyways. Every tire is an adventure tire. That's right. That's what I kept be. saying. Uh, a couple of people showed up with street tires and we we're like, it's not going to end up well for them. And they did fine. They were okay. Uh, the whole thing was really fun. And, and it sort of proved the point that I was trying to make that as a dealership, it's very cool to sell motorcycles, but it's extra cool if you can then engage with your customers at this next level of kind of helping them go, you know, that extra step. Totally. And I, I bet everyone that went to that class now, they're going to go out and be way more comfortable taking their, especially a Multistrada especially. 1200, 1260 Enduro, whatever it is, uh, off-road and actually go do the things. And maybe they weren't before. And so right. like, it's just, it's just helping people enjoy that, that fun toy you sold them even more. We were sort of, 
you know, worried about the rain and the conditions initially. And we're like, should we cancel this? And then we decided not to and kept going with it. And it was like, cool. And a couple of people were like, this is so cool. I got to do this in the worst condition probably possible. I'm like, yeah, yeah you got to play on proper mud. Like this was shitty. This sucked. Uh, but you now get to go off into a forest road, forest service road and go kind of ride around and have some fun. So I'm excited to do this again. I think the word will get around about how successful and how much fun it was. And, um, you know, we'll hopefully do more of these every year. I only really need one arm to ride the Africa twins. So let me know. I mean, yeah, that's true. You don't even need your shit arm. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. It'd have been great. Would have been fine. Um, I, I was just at home watching tv because it was so <laughs> it was so cold and rainy it was uh, such a miserable day it was man. really we, miserable we had such a good time we were all grinning and somebody was like man only on a motorcycle can you grin this much in shitty weather yeah i was at the track the day before though helping out some some omer friends who were, were racing right. i was not racing because tell us why i well, hate it we had the, like the six-week checkup and this is when they go like everything's fine you're ready to go and sure enough to do the x-rays you cannot tell the difference between the x-ray i took uh, last week versus the x-ray that i took six weeks before that they're identical they're identical it's stupid how identical like i was mad for you when i saw that the, the bone is is not growing back together um which i guess should surprise no one considering what a moron i've been so racing on it and doing things but i knew like a week or two before that i was like this does not feel right it doesn't feel right yet it it, it feels worse than it did like the yeah, week like before. you go for a walk and you're sore afterwards yeah so, hey, forever, Jensen. You've yeah. been trying your ass off. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was the risk. That was the risk I took. I knew that going into it uh, when you're trying to, to push things farther than you should. So I have only myself to blame, really. Um, looks like I'll be doing surgery soon. I don't know. I was just on the phone with the doctor today, and everything takes a week. It's like, oh, we'll meet next week, and we'll do this thing next week. So next week or two, I'll be getting, okay. getting a new plate. They're going to bolt it back together. I feel like once they do that, because I felt like the last time you had that done, your recovery was pretty well, quick. So it's a little different. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Once they put the plate in, your shoulder is basically good to go. Technically, the bones are still broken, but the right. plate holds it together. Um, and you'd be surprised how much you can do. But because the issue is six weeks later, the bones have not healed. The worry is that they there's something going wrong. Because usually when that there's there's two reasons why that happens mainly. One is you're an idiot like me, and you've been too actively for shoulder. Yeah, it could be that you were getting in and out of a race suit with a yeah, broken and shoulder. The, and the bones are just moving too much to form a good connection. <laughs> the other thing that can happen, well, I guess the third thing that can happen is that the bones are just too far apart, which I think is also a factor of it. They were displaced right. pretty moderately. I think, uh, not severely, but moderately before. So, you know, there's a debate on whether or not it should have been plated six weeks ago or not um, I vote on that which is something i definitely reminded my doctor about because mm-hmm. that's what i wanted to do but uh <laughs> and the other thing could be like if you you have bad blood flow or you're a smoker or you have a compromised immune system or you know all these like fairly serious kind of health things right. where like oh your your bones don't go back together because you're fucking old or something so it's pretty serious when you have that not working right. so they want three-month recovery three months of recovery that's fair but i really think option b is the issue here yeah yeah i think so it too. should have been it should have been fused together six weeks ago when you asked them to do it but it's at that point where like i can't take the chance right because it's like if those bones don't grow back together then like my shoulder's really fucked up yeah the long-term repercussion yeah. of that is not not worth the risk i don't think so we'll do the time um maybe i'll be able to race the last race of the season here okay. nowhere in september 
Um, we're looking really close to that that deadline though, and if it's rainy, I'm not going to do that nonsense. I've ordered a um, a Jensen face mask. I'm just gonna wear that and go and race for you. <laughs> Finish the season. Up. Get some points at least, you know. The the bike, she's uh, she's a spicy meatball. She's um, a spicy meatball. Right before this weekend, we wrap. I wouldn't say we wrapped up. I have one more fuel to test because it took three weeks to get it from the supplier, which is mostly FedEx's fault. But we'll we'll just look look aside on that. But we ran uh, four different fuels through the Kramer, all of them highly oxygen oxygenated. Uh, so VP U four point four, which is very popular fuel. Uh, and then I did two fuels from Sunoco, uh, EXO2 and EVO10. EVO10 is an unleaded fuel, and EXO2 is leaded, and it's very similar to U4. Um, the EVO10 was really interesting. One, it looks like Mountain Dew. Ooh, uh, tasty. It, it, is, it is a bright neon green. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Are they trying to win me over? That's a sign. It's a sign from the <laughs> gasoline gods. But it's this interesting fuel that they made for the Australian market because they completely outlawed leaded fuel in Australia. Oh, so it's a fuel for that market for drag racers. And it's got like ten percent oxygen and it's supposed to make good power. And then I found this crazy fuel from ETS called P14, which was eleven percent oxygen. And um, I was Big expecting bang. to see like, you know, like I was using this this fuel test to to kind of help pick my fuel for the season. I was expecting to see like some some clear winners and losers. They're all within like two horsepower of each other, like within like the margin of air of each other. And I was like, huh. I mean, you've got like three pretty different fuels. One's unleaded, three leaded, different, you know, from seven to 11% oxygen, different octanes, like pretty different fuels. And like you could just throw a blanket over them. And the thing that was really interesting is like, we're talking. 80 well 80 divided by five what is that 16 mm-hmm. so 16 dollars a gallon all the way up to like 22 dollars a gallon so for like fuels the price, that the are that close to each other yeah for for fuels that are pretty much the same you got a pretty big delta on i wonder what their what their marketing or uh performance angle is on that why are they charging more for some or you know why is one company saying mine's worth four dollars more per gallon than this one well i think yeah i think it is marketing uh, to a certain extent, I mean, like everyone knows who VP is. They're right. the 800 pound gorilla. Sunoco has a name because they've been a spec fuel for um, Moto America for a while. Uh, ETS is not as well known, but in certain circles it is. Uh, dirt bike racers is big in Europe. Not even Europe, like the UK. Um, so it's interesting. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Really, I think it's just like what they think they can get away with in terms mm. of charging. I've got one more fuel to test that I think is very promising. That's like a higher octane MR12 from uh, from ETS. So we'll see if what's that one per gallon. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know, like twenty bucks a gallon. I really wonder what the process of oxygenating fuel looks like, and if it's. You know, if it's really adding that much more uh, cost to it, you know, is the one that's got 11% more expensive than it's got 10%? And what's your power yield because of that additional percentage of oxygen? I get that it's yeah. supposed to burn more, but... Well, I mean, that's that's the thing for me that I think that's the most interesting because I was kind of going into it with the idea of like, okay, more oxygen, more power, which is correct to a certain extent. Right. Um. So I think that's why it was so interesting to me to see like, okay, you have like a 4% delta on the oxygenation of these fuels 
and virtually no difference in power. In fact, the most oxygenated fuel was uh, only the second highest in, in horsepower. Hmm. Um, and even then, like, well, literally we're talking like half a horsepower, which is like the margin of error of the dyno run, basically, right? Hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's it's super interesting just to see. And, and you know, to your what you were saying about the oxygenation, I think it kind of comes down to like, well, what kind of compounds are you using to get the oxygen? Because it's not like... It's not like a carbonated bottle of water where it's like you're literally forcing CO2 into like the 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 structure of the water, <laughs> you the lattice of the water. And all yeah, the exactly. escapes. Well, it does make that sound when you pop <laughs> oh, it, but that's mostly because of, you know, Boyle's law and all that stuff. But um it's it's usually like the oxygen comes from like it's it's like a trying to think of like a chemical off the top of my head but it'd be like a benzene with a free oxygen molecule in that you know organic chain of of things science so it's like yeah but what could really change that difference is like okay well we're at portland which is 250 feet in elevation right do this fuel test in let's say colorado springs right outside pikes peak 5,000 feet in elevation i bet we see a difference between that that fuel that had 7%, that fuel that has 11% oxygen, I'm, that stratification, that half horsepower, it's probably a bigger delta. It's probably like four or five horsepower at that point. So it's, you know, it just shows, I think, in my mind, how um, your particular application, your particular motor, your particular climate and terrain and need can depend, can, can vary what fuel is the right fuel for you. Um, you know, you can make some generalizations and some statements about certain fuels, but there is some, some method to the madness. So, um, I'll report back on that last fuel. I'm very curious to see what, what that does. If anything, that could be the most interesting part of it. Like maybe nothing happens. Maybe it's just like the others where it's just like, yep, you're making 82 horsepower. Good luck, buddy. So the fascinating, like, like for a, for a kind of like a non-result, it was fascinating. Like the, the. The lack of a result and is is in itself a fascinating result. I mean, it proves, you know, is it worth the money? Well, yeah. I mean, that one for me, it was like the most expensive fuel was the one that made the most horsepower. That was a U4. Right. The least expensive fuel was the ETS, and that was making the second most horsepower. And you're like, huh. Okay. Well, I just wanted between the two. I'm going to do. It's a literal bang for the buck right there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Interesting, interesting stuff. And then... What else we got going on? Moto America is coming to the Ridge. Heck yeah. What, like End of this month? Two shows from now? Yeah, two weekends from now. We were talking about maybe doing a show up there? Yeah. I don't know. I think we should. We'll figure something out. It'd be fun. Um, I'm excited to see Moto America come to the Ridge. That That's a beautiful track, and they're doing a lot to bring some cool motorsports to it. The The facility there is constantly improving. And I, I credit Moto America for actually bringing about a lot of those changes. It wasn't until the Ridge got on the Moto America calendar that we started seeing them investing right. in a uh, new track surface. They repaved the whole thing, redid the curbs, painted the curbs. There's a paddock. That, they've laid so much asphalt in the paddock. I can't even imagine. That's just like... Used to be like half asphalt, half gravel, and then there yeah. was like two you know mobile structures there for like a classroom and then a little cafe type thing and a bathroom it's probably five to ten times more asphalt now and now they have like a permanent uh building for the cafe and the riders meetings and and suites and all that and they're putting in garages right now they're probably actually 
pretty close to being done. I'm excited about those speak. garages. I'm excited about those garages too. So uh, done nothing but good things. And I think we said it before on the show, like that's when that's all done. I think that's going to be the premier track on the West coast of the United States. I think so too. It's fresh. It's brand new. And it's, you know, and it's fun to ride. It's super fun to ride. It's what is it? 16 turns. I think. Yeah. Something like that. Man, it's, and it's got so many, I mean, it's, it's, it's a super technical track. You can be, we've always said this PIR, you have to be at a hundred percent to really get the full track experience. Whereas I feel like you can go to do the Ridge and get like to your 75% of like, I'm just learning how to do this stuff and have just an insane time. There's just so many elevation changes and blind corners and just all kinds of things that make you go, oh, I'm not just going to make seven right-hand turns and one left-hand turn. This is a, a very, very dynamic track. I'm a big fan of it. It's got a little something for everyone. A little something. It's even got its own little carousel, its own little uh, corkscrew. And it's got a go-kart track. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's like our own Coda. It is. Yeah. Are you talking about the Coda Kitty? Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she's not out here she's somewhere else being she's, sassy she's around here somewhere dropping yeah, it's pretty great it's only about two and a half hours from portland i think it's about an hour and a half or so from you know central seattle area because it's yeah basically west of olympia by about a half an hour yeah um so pretty easy to get to i think because moto america happens on friday saturday sunday i've got a big day on saturday here so i'm gonna leave saturday night saturday afternoon and just head straight up there and then have like just have a night in Seattle and the next day go party. Okay. Party. Unless you want to get up super early on Sunday. Road trip. Yeah, that might work. We'll have to talk. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll talk about going there to talk about things. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's like the welcome to the podcast in life. <laughs> um you have never been to the Alman TT, have you? I have never. It is a bucket list. I have to go. You do. That I, is. That should be. I mean, I'm not going to tell people how to write their bucket list, but if that's not in your top five, oh, top three for we me, we should man. probably talk. Like, listen, I've already done one of the things on my top three. Top one, two, three. I've done. I've done one of the three. It was running with the bulls. I did that. <laughs> I lived. Did you really? I did. Oh wow! Twice I did. Did you touch a bull? I did. Wow. Much to my wife's chagrin. Yeah, I did. Fuck that. <laughs> yep. I just but you don't thing. say that in the airport. Did, did you touch one? No, absolutely not. Why is that a thing? Apparently, if you touch the bull, there's a chance to, they didn't know you showered well enough to get on a plane. Oh, really? Yeah. Because you touched like you handled livestock? I guess, yeah. Is this like idea. a mad cow thing? I mean, it is. It's a livestock. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I was just, I guess I was just wondering if it's like a, you're not supposed to touch the bull. You no, touch the bull, you go to the, the special jail. So now you're not supposed to touch the bull because they are sort of, I mean, they're not sacred cows, but well, bulls. Um, but, you know, they don't want you to egg them on any more than they're already being egged on. They're terrified. When I thought they're that was the thing you. when you're like, when you're running, like if you touch them, that's like. You're in trouble. Well, no one. touchy. There's, there's, there's shepherds, shepherds, bull herders. What the hell are they? With sticks. And if they see you touching the bulls, they'll hit you with a stick. Huh. It's amazing. I I hope someone that listens to us has run with the bulls in Pampelona. It is magical. Boy, do you learn about yourself a lot when you're being chased down by a 1,500 pounds. Well, not that big. They're like 1,200 pounds. Uh, down a very, very narrow cobblestone wet because it just got washed with water and soap the night before. Street. It's a quarter mile that I've never run so fast in my life. Anyways, that was one of my bucket list things, and we got to do it in 2013. I did it one day with Team Ann, and then the next day I did it because I wanted to run faster and be with the bulls, and I did. That was the, that was the day I touched the bull. Huh. 
Oh man, it's mighty. You should do that. So much fun. It sounds like something stupid I would do. That's super fun. Anyway, so that and the Isle of Man, those are like the top. Also, like I want to go see the pyramids. I feel like I need to see the pyramids. Okay. Cause because that's where the aliens came down? Yeah. Okay. I just need to see it. Like what what genius put this shit together that long ago? You can the pyramids are proof you can achieve anything with an inexhaustible supply of human labor. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it really is true. But anyways, yeah, Isle of Man. Isle of Man. Awesome. I've been two, three times. Can't remember. Isle of Man is so fascinating to me. And you and I have talked about this before because one of my biggest gripes with how Pikes Peak always ran was how Isle of Man was always run. Right. And it's because, easy to compare and contrast because they're usually just weeks apart. Right. And I mean, Isle of Man is basically this thing where they don't want to lose it. It's just like the running with the bulls in Pampelona. They don't want to lose this. They don't want to have anyone. They don't want something so bad to happen that they have to lose it. Right. If somebody dies running with the bulls of Pampelona, especially in this day and age, they're going to try and shut it down. And apparently no one's died since 1995, I think. Really? Yeah. I feel like that would be no, an no, event. People get gored left and right every fucking year. But no one's died since 1995, I don't think. At least that was the case in 2013. Slow clap for the Spanish medical right? system. Right? Come on. Well, dude, there's a surgeon at the base of the rink. It's, they're ready for you. Like, they don't want you to die. <laughs> and it's amazing. When you want to get out of the uh, out of the way of the bulls and you want to bail, there's people on the other side and they will grab you and throw you over the fence so fast it's not even funny. <laughs> like, you'll probably get hurt more being thrown over the fence than being hit by that damn bull. But um, anyways, so much like that thing that's happening in Spain at the Isle of Man, it's just this beautiful collection of... 2009 was the last goring death. Oh, Really? But so, like I'm looking at like the Wikipedia, it's 15 deaths since 1910. That's amazing. Pretty good. Fucking incredible. That's a track record. You, yeah, dude, I can't even describe to you how small and intimate this place is. And you're with 6,000 of your closest friends with these bulls who are just not wanting to be there. And it's amazing to watch the bull suddenly lock radar on somebody and be like, oh, you're so dead, dude. You shouldn't have hit it. This is why I tell you not to touch the fucking bulls. You're going to die. But anyways, as I was saying, at the Isle of Man, they've got this great collection of locals who, you know, help usher it and, and you know, volunteer to make sure everyone's safe, every corner's being watched. And it's just so cool. It's, it's this thing that they, that they celebrate every year. And you go to the Pikes Peak thing and it's like nobody wants to be there to really help. At least it felt like that. And then every time somebody said something about it, they got banned from going there. And it's like, oh, my God, the worst. Guys, your attitude about this sucks. Just worst. Just the worst. I, it's, it's, I think it's actually, they're doing a tire test this weekend or something. I don't know. Couldn't <laughs> care less. It's just, and it's funny because you always had that attitude about Pike Speak. And as, as a fan, I was like, Jensen, it's so cool. Why don't you love it? And then once I kind of got involved with you and started looking at it, I'm like, oh man, this sucks. It's such a beautiful, cool event. Could be. It could be. But they couldn't really, like, th- they just didn't put the effort forth that it required on such a grand and vast track to be able to maybe know that someone got hurt more than minutes and minutes and minutes after it happened. Case in point, our friend who passed away. Mm-hmm. We didn't know about this for how long after it happened. Mm-hmm. So there's just terrible communication in that place. And it kind of makes it extra terrifying. It's already a scary race. And so to not have people there to have their eyes on it constantly, it, it sucks. And you, you there, it's, it's bad communication. You might as well go to the, the Dakar race. They're getting better actually with the Dakar. It's interesting. Um, but that brings up a great point because this is one of the things that I like so much 
about what the Isle of Man is doing and why I brought it up because they're about to start doing live video coverage mm. of the race. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's necessarily live TV. It sounds like they're going to do their own smartphone, smart TV app deal, kind of how like um, Dorna does MotoGP where you have right. to have like a video pass um, from the Isle of Man. But I'll take it because I think one of the hardest – well, let me back it up for a second. When you go to the Isle of Man, the the typical daily experience, you, you kind of pick – it's 37.7 miles of racetrack. That's amazing. Just bonkers. <laughs> Wait, miles or kilometers? Miles. Hot dog. It's. I mean, you're going around the entire freaking island. <sighs> That's so cool. Um, and it's in. It's in. Technically, it's a part of the United Kingdom. So it's. Well, yeah, yeah it's part of the United Kingdom. Well, it's an interesting. I'm not even gonna get into the geopolitics of the <laughs> island. Man. It's. It's like its own country, but it's not. But don't tell them that. Like Texas. Oh, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like Texas. But kind of how we wish Florida was. <laughs> Have you been to Puerto Rico? It's like Puerto Rico. It's, it's actually Puerto Rico is a pretty good example. Like, but it is its own country. <laughs> but it's also a part of America. <laughs> but technically, everyone in Puerto Rico is an American citizen. But they have their own. Do they have their own currency or they spend the dollar? I don't even know. Never been uh, to Puerto Rico. I think you can take a dollar and it'll be fine. Yeah, probably be fine. Probably fine. They probably take any currency. Puerto Rico's just <laughs> desperate for infrastructure and like anything um <laughs> so like that's sidetracked <laughs> there's like the 12 puerto rican listeners that we have are like nope not listening to this podcast anymore Listen, fuck these guys fuck these white guys <laughs> <laughs> i'm not white <laughs> aren't our iranians considered Actually, white technically yeah yeah, we are. yeah listen right. listen i'm not but culturally look insensitive look at me look at me with my sunburn oh uh, <laughs> goodness gracious um wow so many things we just said that i'll probably have to edit out <laughs> just the show oh, should be two hours long it's just, gonna be an hour and 20 yeah it's not gonna be. why was the show 43 minutes don't worry about it uh, we had very little to say today <laughs> typical viewing experience for island man you pick where you're gonna watch the races from on that 37 miles of course sometimes that's down by the grandstand sometimes that's like in a pub that's right on the course oh, that's there's some there's some places you can sit or you can kind of get kind of kind of folksy with it and like literally just sit on a hedgerow along the road, you know, kind of behind a fence and just watch them go by, which is which is great too. The downside is is typically wherever you go is more or less where you're stuck That's for it. the whole day because all the roads shut down, you can't cross the track and you're just kind of yeah, you're just kind of stuck. There's Maybe. no like inner roads that you can go from like mm. one side to the other. Not really, no. There might I guess be they're using the road. They're the using island. the road. There might be a couple spots that go under the track, but I don't think so. More or less, you're kind of stuck. Huh. And and when you get there, it's not like you can... A lot of people come over on the ferry. A lot of British people come over on the mm-hmm. ferry. So they have their motorcycles and stuff. But like Americans, when you come over, like you don't, you're not going to rent a car because there's no cars to rent. No. So you're kind of just doing the public transit. Maybe you're getting a lift or a ride from someone. Maybe you're hitchhiking a little bit, getting by. <laughs> oh, I'm dead serious. Amazing. The Manx, especially during uh, the Fortnite, the TT Fortnite, are an amazingly hosp- hospitable people. I, I I can tell you a story about how I thought I was going to have to fly home because I my hotel fell through. Yeah, and I, I know the story. And, and it's I great. literally stayed the entire fortnight in the showroom for like a, a bathroom remodeling company. <laughs> That's so amazing to me. <laughs> I just had to be had to be very strategic on when I could use the bathroom because all the windows were glass. <laughs> 
just full full size glass like uh, guys there's an american taking a shit over here yeah literally <laughs> just uh <laughs> anyways um so so how you experience the race is you sit wherever you're sitting you watch the bikes go by and you listen on the radio to makes radio call the race but even then they don't have that much information on the track there's only like six five six timing stations throughout the whole track so you'll hear like, oh yeah, Jonathan McGinnis is through Ramsey, and then like four minutes later, John McGinnis is at, you know, Bray Hill, and da 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 da. You know, I just listed two places that are not four minutes apart on the track. I understand this. <laughs> Those are the two places I can He's think super of. Super fast. He's going really fast. Um, but that's you know like it's and like maybe like now with a with a smartphone you can get internet and kind of see, but you'd see the same information. Like right. it's it's not like live timing for MotoGP. It's not like you have onboard video coverage. It's it's really kind of basic and rudimentary, but the upside is, is like once the day of racing is done and you get back to the pub or the, the house that you're staying at, because most people, it's like a and b like almost all the makes people, not all, a lot of makes people open up their houses for people to stay with them. That's so And cool. that's one of the best ways to, right. to find accommodation. So you kind of get there with like the four other strangers that are sharing the house with you and you watch the television coverage that starts at like 10 o'clock at night. And they just kind of recap everything that happened. So you're like it kind of like pieces the all the stuff back together for you. And it's a cool experience and it's a cool way of doing it. But in like terms of 21st century media, it's extremely frustrating because you're like, I I don't really know what happened yeah, until like six hours, hours later. Right. <laughs> We're so, so used to having the info right now. It's cool to see that like live video is going to be coming to it. And like it's been a big deal. Like a lot of people talk about especially in the Isle of Man, like they talk about like, well, what if there's a fatality on TV and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, well, I mean, we, we deal with that in other sports already. Like, well, I mean, on live TV now, there is usually a buffer, like a five second right. buffer just for exactly. that. A tape delay. So you're like, well, we, that's what I'm saying. Like we've already figured that yeah. out. Like that's it's not really an issue a, anymore. That's been a reason for a long time for them <laughs> not to do it. Not to mention like the logistics of, of setting up live video over a 37 mile course. Right. But, you know, 5g and all that now are pretty much good to go you know i think it's great uh, i really hope they sell that package that tv package to like nbc and other tv carriers around the world because i would happily watch that yeah i would totally get into it and i think it only raises the uh, exposure of the sport i wonder if like motor trend tv will buy rights to that one and make it part of like their complete is motor trend tv still a thing i think so do they not go out of business i don't know i can't remember I didn't Zach and Harry stopped being on there and I stopped paying attention. Yeah, they're Revzilla now. That's all I care about. <laughs> it's like car stuff? I don't know. Are Zach and Harry there? No, I gotta yeah. go. Uh, also, some real sh- rule changes coming to the TT. Um, the like the lightweight class is now the super twin class. No. They're allowing nope. uh, twin cylinder bikes up to 700cc, so the Aprilia and the R7 will be legal now. Um, just in time and the sidecar class can now use twin cylinder motors up to 900 cc's which is to kind of make room for the ktm 890 power plant and dave molyneux who is like the the god of sidecar racing out there he's already been caught uh, testing one and what else uh i think they're going to add two more races and like one more day of racing or two more days of racing to make it a little bit longer so uh cool, when is the official cool start date Wait, are they holding it for 2021 or is this all gonna no be 2022? this is all 2022 okay. and i think the uh some of the race schedule changes are 2023 
what month usually falls in? June. It's usually right around. It usually would be right now. It'd be wrapping up. It would have wrapped up like a week ago. So I have to figure out a way of leaving my shop for basically a week in June. Put, put Ann in charge. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You, oh, and I, you and I go to the TT. Ann will be in charge of Motocorsa. Maybe Portland burns down while we're gone. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what are you saying about Ann? <laughs> I'm just saying Apple I can see her and be like, listen, you fuckers, and just pulling the pen and walking Done. out. The the New Jersey comes out while we're yeah. gone. Everyone's fired. <laughs> Every rule's changed. Yeah. Everyone thinks my wife's sweet until she's not. Actually, that's not really true. She's always sweet. I'm excited by this. Uh, Island Man is a... Everyone has stories about the Isle of Man after they go. And the, the, the biggest problem with the Isle of Man is once you go, you will want to keep going. Right. Which it's, is not a bad problem to have at all. No. I, I'm... We got to figure out logistics for next year. This is, it's got to happen. You know who's going, I think. Who? I think Kramer Joe is going next year. What? Yeah. We're going with, wait, is there going to be Kramers at the Isle of Man? Uh, I haven't actually looked at the rules for that Super Twins class. I would think, obviously with the name, that that would not be allowed, but there might be a chance. That would be interesting. Uh, I haven't had the time to track that down, but um, never say never. Never, ever say never, ever. That would not, the Kramer would not be an ideal bike for that. Just because so much of the Isle of Man is just wide open throttle. It is such a horsepower track. Right. Which isn't really what the Kramer does. Like, you're just never going to make that KTM 690 motor make as much power as a twin cylinder of similar displacement. Maybe the, uh, the other Kramer then. That's too big. That's, that's too big. That's, that's the 890 motor. Ah, well, I thought. Oh, well, you I can make it, just if you make it into a sidecar, right? A Kramer sidecar <laughs> would be amazing. It'd be kind of rad. A light, most lightweight sidecar ever. Um. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, I'm very, very excited about that, and I hope all my Manx friends are as well. Please let us stay with you. Thanks. Yeah. Please let me crash on your couch. Wait. What if we have listeners in, say, maybe England or Scotland? And they have motorcycles that they want to let us borrow with them. And then we ride around and we get on a ferry and go to the Isle of Man and ride around. Well, see, that's the whole thing. Like, you want to get on the ferry? I mean, they, the the Steam Packet is the company that does all the ferrying from Liverpool and Manchester. Hmm. Manchester is not a coastal city. I fucked that up. <laughs> I need to take this ferry from Manchester. Good luck. Well, anyways, they, there's a couple spots that the ferries go to uh, along the British Isles. But um, they just added, they're adding another ferry. And I don't think that happens until 2023. So the thing mm. with the ferries is like, you literally have to book your ferry a year in advance. Let's get on getting, it. getting the ferry is, especially with a bike is. It is now the time to book our ferry. Yeah, basically. We might actually already be too late. <laughs> we might be actually. People are so thirsty. But that for is a really cool way of, of doing the island. It can be a little crazy riding the course. Like a lot of people. A lot of people die. Like there's more fatalities. Just riding the course of fans dying while you know, like usually it's they're low. What are they doing? Are, are usually the they're intoxicated. Insanely low. Oh, well, there you go. But yeah, there is a total percent. Like they open the course back up at like 3 p.m. and then all these drunk buffoons want to go ride the course after they just saw John <laughs> McGinnis do like a 132 oh, mile an hour lap and like I'm gonna do that too and they fucking like crash into a tree. Uh people uh, stop peopling sometimes yeah sometimes people are peoples um, too much peopling too much peopling so that's that's it's a little bit of like 
yeah, you want to go ride Alaman, that's pretty cool, but it's also like definitely don't ride a uh, Mad Sunday. I just remember what's the other thing I want to do. Mad Sunday? <laughs> yeah. No. Um the Green Hell. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we've talked about that. Ugh. Get me there. It's because you're so German. Is the Germans know how to do it? Oh, Shaheen, you want to ride the green hat? I it's would so happily silly. do that in a car. You're such a pumpernickel. I am a pumpernickel. <laughs> Give me one BMW and let me do this. Scheiße, Meister. BMW. <laughs> oh, I need to like learn some German so I don't just <laughs> say stupid things. One of my coworkers speaks it fairly well, and it's, it just sounds so. I don't know. I love it. I love the way German sounds. It sounds so factual when they say things. Very, very just, official language. Yeah, I just love that they can take like an entire sentence and just make it a word. <laughs> you think, know? I think some of their words are entire sentences. Yeah, no. It's like, this it's is the word like that fucking... describes how I feel after I've had a drink. Actually, that's the word. How I feel after I've had a drink. It's just a word. Forfi Nugan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but speaking of Forfi Nugan and things made in Germany. Oh, that's a good segue. Uh, Pirelli Diablo Rosso 4 tire debuts for sport bikers. Uh, I have a set of these downstairs ready to be put on a motorcycle. Um, I'm excited about this tire. Very excited. I mean, it's always been a good tire, so I feel like the next iteration better be better. Well, you know, I was like medium excited when when they first told me about it. I was like, okay, because like the Rosso 3 is a good tire. It's a good sport bike tire for the street, but it's not my favorite. I'm really more of a Diablo Rosso Corsa 2 kind of guy. That's my tire. Like you want, you want, I've, I've even wrote a story about this. You want my tire recommendation? That's my tire. Go hmm. buy that tire. You're going to be a happy person. And then we did the uh, press call on this uh, just a few days ago. And they're talking about it. Like obviously how the evolution over the Rosso three and how it's better, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Great. But then they're making some claims and I was like, well, but c- compare this to me. Where does this slot in? Cause if it's more sporty than the Rosso three, how does it compare to the tire that I like, the Diablo Rosso Corsa 2? They're like, well, actually, in some situations, like on the racetrack, it's better because the shoulder of the tire is basically an SC3 slick. Oh. And the technology with the compounds and the silica and the way that they're doing the, the carcass is, is better. It's, it's, the, it's using their next generation of tire design. This is called that like the third generation and the Rosso Corsa 2 is still in the second generation. So because of that kind of generational difference, Rosso Corsa 2 is four or five years old now. Hmm. It, it is a superior tire in a lot of ways. So now I'm going like, huh? Okay. So better mileage than Rosso Corsa 2. Better in the wet than the Rosso Corsa 2. Better on the track than the Rosso Corsa 2. Well, shit, Shaheen, that's. That sounds like a winner, winner, chicken the, the, dinner. Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for. Sign me up. All right. Beam me up, Cotton. You going to slap these on your uh, little uh, well streety fighter down there? Because I broke my shoulder and things got weird with it. Uh, I was originally going to ride this, test this tire on a hyper motard you were going to provide. Right. And that didn't really work out and things happened. So now, yeah, I'm going to put this on my street fighter if they can get me the tire size because now I'm like, you know, second, third fiddle of of getting tires there's a street fighter wearing a 190 in the back street fighter is a 190 55 in the back and i would like to try uh a 255 or actually i'd like to try 260 that'll fit yeah probably okay we'll make it we'll make it fit. all right all right how can it not fit we'll make it fit i mean i've got a 190 60 in the back of my triple nine so i imagine it'll fit 
Yeah, the only thing I'm looking for is like for anyone that's ridden a Street Fighter 1098, they'll know that the front end is just a little slow on the turning. Like I, mm. I've, I've been over the course of owning that motorcycle, I've had a struggle of geometry, <laughs> and I've run out of ride height. I can add to it, but I could add some tire height, which would do the exact same thing, and that might be that might get me to the rake angle that I want. Welcome to the. 1098 Street Fighter, where they didn't really mean to make that, but I don't think. No, they were just like, you want to do what? You want to do what now? You're going to take all the fairings off the Super Rig? Really? You're going to do that? Okay. Good luck. Yeah. So I am very, very curious with this Rosso 4 now. This has got me kind of like, yeah. Yes, it does queen. sound like sort of the ultimate sporty bike tire. Yeah. Kind of to do it all. This is, I mean, this is the conversation we always have about tires. There's no such thing as the perfect tire to do everything. You're trying to get a set of tires to do most of the things you like really, 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 really well and be a good, you know, good value for the money and hopefully last you a couple of miles. Yeah. Right. Because when you get like a super sticky, super sporty tire, you're not going to get longevity out of it. You're trying to get the best performance for however many track days or however many canyon runs you want to do. But we're, I love that that we're getting to a point in technology where we're able to say, now oh, you can have pretty much everything now. Yeah. And I mean, it really comes down to like what bike you're putting what tire on. Like for a great example, like with this tire, uh, they have it in a 160 and a 180 mm-hmm. fitment. That's a dual compound tire. For the 190s and the 200s, it's a three compound tire. Wow. Uh, the difference being um, the dual compounds are both full silica compounds, whereas the three compound, it's those two silica compounds plus that SE3 compound we were talking about that's on the edge. On the very edge. Yeah. Um, and then there's some 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 changes in the, the structure um, for the belts and all that stuff um, in terms of stiffness of the carcass. One of the things I love about Pirelli tires is how sort of communicative the tire is mm-hmm. i feel like they flex a little bit more and it but it ruins me when i ride another set of tires i went from pirelli's to dunlops on my track bike and it took me a good session or two to trust in the dunlop doing its job because it didn't feel like it was communicating with me yeah and it grips it grips like crazy i've got a set of gpas on the thing and they did a great job but it was just like stiff as a board someone had made that same jump that i was talking to this weekend and they had a great analogy for it was. I can't really, I can't remember what it was, but yeah, it's the same. Idea. I mean, you're talking about two tires that are on the spectrum of carcass stiffness. They're at opposite ends. Right. But the thing that's interesting with this is the Rosso four is actually stiffer now huh. than what the Rosso three was. So they're kind of moving that. I'd still say they're probably at opposite ends of that spectrum, but I think probably has inched it just a little bit over. I wonder if that sli- slight stiffness increase is what's allowing it to have the longevity on the road. Uh, I think that's mostly the compound. I think the stiffness they were really looking for one accommodating how much torque and horsepower modern sport bikes are producing because mm-hmm. the Rosso three came out like I was going to say 10 years ago, but that's not true, but it's oh, been like, like, it's been like, it's been like or eight years or so. Yeah. It's been, it's been a wheel and, um, you know, sport bikes have, especially like in the, the street bike category, sport bikes have changed a ton at 200 horsepower is nothing, nothing new anymore. Now. Yeah. So I think there's a little Even bit a of Suzuki's going to make it now. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'll be curious to see like they, they told us some like numbers for like longevity that they were like, don't tell these ones, but I'll tell you anyways. 
Because it's like, it doesn't really. It's the first question everybody asks me. How I know. long is that tire going to last? But it depends think, on you, the yeah, bike. That's, exactly. And I think that's why I don't want to. It's such like, a dynamic thing. I think that's why I don't want to like quote a number because it is such a dynamic number. But let's say if the old Rosso 3 was a 5,000 mile rear tire, the Rosso 4 is supposed to be a 5,000 mile rear tire. Right. And to compare that, the Diablo Rosso Corsa 2 would be like a 3,000 mile tire. So that's the thing that's really interesting for me. You're like, okay, so. Maybe a little bit more performance than the Rosso 2, and it's going to last 40% longer. Right. And it might be cheaper. Even if it was the same price, it'd still be cheaper if it's lasting you longer. Honestly, like, how many tires do you really go through on your motorcycle? I, I know there's some long-distance riders that are putting in some serious miles, <laughs> but, like, think about the average. The, yeah, average, the average American's riding two, maybe 3,000 miles a year. That's that's a, that's a one set. rear tire. Yeah, one. And one half a rear. front. And Correct. half a front. Right. So like I, when people talk about the price of tires, I'm just like amortize that over the cost, how how long you're gonna have that. Like a three hundred dollar tire versus a four hundred dollar tire is like nah, it's nothing over that that duration. Uh, like and I, that's pr- the truth of it. I right? get it. I get it. Like if you don't have the hundred bucks difference, like if you don't have the hundred bucks to make that difference, like then you don't have the hundred bucks. Right. But I think that conversation is much more relevant in the sport touring and adventure touring sure. world where. Some of these riders are putting, say, between five to ten thousand miles a year on their bikes. Okay, cool. That's now it's a relevant conversation. I can get into that. Um, but even on that, that tire on this bike, <laughs> I mean, the av- the American average is two to three thousand miles a year. So there's such a. <laughs> are you telling me that there's that big of a difference between how how many miles a sport bike rider and a touring person does? Because that's the average. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm very I'm very intrigued by this. Um, so we'll we'll see. I'll, I'm working with Pirelli to get the right tire size for the Street Fighter, and I think I think we're just gonna raffle off that 180 that I have. Okay. I don't know. We got to come up with a way to to do that. We'll do it. Do you need an extra tire? I'm, I'm putting you in charge of that. Oh God. Sorry. Oh jeez. <laughs> I don't. You're the social media guy. You take care. Send of it. <laughs> me your best dad joke. I don't know. I got to figure out something. We should do something fun. We should do something fun, like a dance off. <gasps> yes. You, me. Brappy little stepsister, three panel judge. Yep. Best dance off routine with your motorcycle gear on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. We got to figure out the song. Bribery will be accepted. So we can probably make this absolutely. like a, we do Bribery like a, is always expected. Make this like a TikTok or something. <laughs> I've heard kids talk about that. I don't know what it is. Is that like, is that like OnlyFans? TikTok? TikTok? Is that like OnlyFans? No, no. It's, there's no nudity and you don't have to pay for it. But can you? To pay for it? No. <laughs> or have nudity. <laughs> what was I just reading? I was reading a thing today that TikTok just changed their policy that they're now going to start uh, databasing your uh, facial recognition and your voice recognition in their wow. videos. Wow. Wow. You know how quickly I would get off that service if I was Brave on Brave new world. Yeah. No, I'm totally done with that. I mean, I'm not even on TikTok, so it's great, but I'm just like, whatever. Oh. You're carrying around a phone that's listening to everything you're saying, and it's giving you specific. I code. turn off my Siri well, and all That's actually a thing. They just make you feel nice and cozy about it. It's still uh, listening. I mean, I think the feds are definitely listening mm-hmm. to me. They, they definitely listen to me. I am Iranian. <laughs> <laughs> but you're white. I keep trying to tell them that, but. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, what time have we got? We got uh, we got a little time. Hell yeah, Corey doesn't show up for a little while. <laughs> I'm so excited about Corey. Uh, Honda patents clutch by wire system for motorcycles. Bring on the haters. Why though? Is it's gonna not gonna have feel? 
Listen, most of these bikes, you don't even use the clutch after first gear. It's going to have a quick sport bikes. Sport bikes. Well, I guess some street bikes. Oh, I mean, that quick shifter thing is kind of becoming a thing. Yeah, it's quickly becoming a thing. Why don't more adventure bikes have quick shifters? I think a lot of them are starting to get it. At least the European ones have them. Triumph has it as an option. KTM has it as an option. Ducati has it on everything at this point. BMW, hell, BMW started that trend, I think. Do they? Okay. I mean, they don't have a great version. My Honda has a great quick shifter on it. It's got the the (laughs) ultimate quick shifter. (laughs) Dual clutch, baby. (laughs) No, I mean, seriously. So like, okay, I, you know, it's probably going to save some weight. You don't have to deal with all the fluids and all that bullshit. And chances are the bike that it's going to have it on is probably not really going to have a problem shifting because you're just going to use it to engage first gear. I'm trying to see like. I'm not opposed to this. I was kind of wondering if uh, Yamaha had a quick shifter for the T7. Doesn't look like it, but there's looks like the R7 will have it. The aftermarket's got it. It does, but it's upshift only. Wow, really? Pretty sure. Oh, not as sure after you just went really, but I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I feel like that's so ten years ago. It's funny though. Every time somebody comes to the shop and they're like, "Does this have a quick shifter?" Yeah. Up and down? Yes. Whoa. That's a fair question, though. It is. That's but a to fair me, because question. I'm so used to it, I'm like, yeah, dude, it has a, like everything in here has a, has that. Well, I mean, like, I would say Ducati's done a good job. Let's just start drinking now. Ducati's <laughs> done a good job of, because they came out and they're like, we're going to have every bike is going to have ABS on it. Everybody, and now, like, every bike has up down quick shifter. Every bike has traction control. Well, it, yeah, might not, it might not be an with, IMU like, traction control. It might not be corner and ABS. It might not be, I think everything's up down quick shifter now. On the Ducati land? Yeah. Drink. Yes. Scrambler? Scrambler. Everything but the air-cooled ones. <laughs> Which kind of baffled me because one of the more expensive scramblers is the Sport Pro, which has the Olins and all that stuff. And that's almost a $15,000 bike, and it doesn't have that as an option. You mean the Monster? The Monster 1100 that they have? Yeah, the oversized Monster 1100. The overpriced. Yeah. Super fun, beautiful, fun bike to ride, but it's like, uh, why does this not have it? Yeah. But basically, everything that's liquid cooled on their lineup either has a standard or it's an option. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And it's not an expensive option. It's like three or 400 bucks. Yeah. Because on the Aprilia Tuono 660, it's like 250 plus installation. Right. So it ends up being about yeah. three, four hundred, a couple of two, three hundred dollars, you know? I like it. I love I have no motorcycles in my garage that have an up down quick shifter but when I get on a bike that doesn't you're like what is just ruined what is wrong with this I remember riding one maybe like three years ago and got back on my then still pretty new the Multistrada Enduro and I was like what is this archaic pile of shit I'm riding (laughs) just ruins you it's so satisfying it's like you I don't care how good you are you don't shift as quick as a quick shifter and nope. it does, you know, especially on downshifts, auto rev matches for you. It's like perfect all the time. It's nice. Which I could see why people, if they have one that doesn't work well, it's so frustrating. Yeah. We had a, had a racer, racer friend this weekend who was complaining about their quick shifter not working. And I was like, and, and, and how much time they were losing because of it. Right. And you're like, yeah, you kind of start relying on it. <laughs> it makes me think of a Mitch Hedberg joke. Like escalators are never really broken. <laughs> they're just stairs that's so if your no, quick shifter's not no, working that's not true. No, no 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 i'm going to disagree with you 100 percent. 100 percent disagree with you you know why why i see your phone in front of you <laughs> type into your google your google box okay hold on 
escalator malfunction accident. Oh, no. And prepare to throw up all I'm over my sure, couch. I'm sure the it's most terrible, terrifying oh, God, thing in the universe. Yeah. That's acts as a the fucking most stairs. terrifying thing in the universe is an escalator malfunction. Malfunction because no, it's just a these... human malfunction where they have a piece of clothing that's too long. That's your damn fault. No, no, no. Stop. Sometimes the the stair just like falls off the track oh, and you fall into this giant like oh, just metal teeth <laughs> eating thing. What a monstrosity! Terrifying. Oh god! If Why it's not you your to... greatest fear in life, I just made it. You just did. I just have a phobia of escalators because I've always looked at them as it's either moving up and down or I have to walk up and right. down. Anyways, Honda Patton's clutch by wire <laughs> system. How do we go from that to escalator? Oh yeah, Mitch Hedberg. Hmm. Uh, this is kind of a cool thing once you kind of like dive into it a little bit more um so on the automotive side we already kind of have well, we have power steering we have brake by wire we have throttle by wire you don't really have clutch pedals anymore in the automotive industry but i bet some cars that do maybe this is what they use maybe i don't know i don't I honestly i honestly don't know but maybe it's not even a real clutch it's just a hologram of a yeah clutch. exactly just knows your foot's there but it's really interesting from the perspective of what that could mean for launch control, right? For uh, quick shifters, for uh, you could, in theory, make an automatic clutch out of this, you know. Um, so a bike could be automatic or manual with just like the flick of a button. Because mm-hmm. um, once you kind of let the machine kind of. It doesn't even have to take over the clutch duties completely. It could just augment it. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm dumping the clutch. Like, launch, controls, launch control is the one that originally came to my mind. A, lot, a way a lot of the launch control systems work right now is you basically pin the throttle mm-hmm. and you hold in the clutch mm-hmm. and the software will just take over the throttle for you and it'll do the, the valve, the butterflies and, and manage the, the inputs. Usually, like, it keeps it like, like on the high boosted, like the maximum one was like 8,000 RPMs. And you just hold the throttle wide open, and it does it does all the throttle. And mm-hmm. you just kind of you don't dump the clutch, but you let it out pretty aggressively. And and how good of a start is going to depend on how good you are at managing the clutch. Right. They're basically just take, taking the throttle out of the equation, and letting you focus purely on your clutch control. Right. Well, now you probably literally could just hold in, hold the throttle open, pull in the clutch. And just let go of the clutch, and now the computer will be like, okay, now I'm going to give the optimal slip for the clutch to give you the perfect launch. Right. Like, game changer. I mean, that's pretty much how it is in the car world. You you mash on the brake pedal, you give it the beans with the with the uh, throttle pedal when you have it in launch control, and then when you let go of the brakes and just mash on the uh, throttle, the computer says, I need to give this much power to the brakes to have to the to the wheels to be able to have the most optimum launch well that's usually on an automatic transmission car already but, though i mean most of your most of your super performance cars are now basically a, some form of automatic right and so yeah i mean the, you know the, the only, the the only days, difference here is like it's not entirely automatic well, i guess it kind of is well I don't think we're that we, far off. We on the can get into that side. debate. I think reasonable right. minds can debate this this topic. I think so too, <laughs> and I think I think it's a reasonable thing to see it coming. I, I think those days are not that far behind. Yeah. If Honda's working on the patent, we're probably going to see it happen fairly uh, regularly or across the board. I bet in the next two to three years. 
I would the only thing that I think will be tough for this is just the clutch lever feel. And one of the patents focuses on how they're gonna do haptic feedback and force feedback mm-hmm. to make the the lever feel feel right. And getting that correct is gonna be the biggest challenge. I agree. But you hit that on the head, then I don't think anyone's gonna care. I wouldn't be surprised if they just still have a you know a a, a traditional spring inside the actual actuator. Mm-hmm. to kind of give you that feel mm-hmm. that then just helps you know flick whatever switch it is to tell it to do the thing see that's the suzuki solution right where honda's like look we're gonna have a stepper motor a and a servo and uh <laughs> we'll have a dual clutch transmission inside the lever and then uh, uh the satellite will beam the algorithm live <laughs> to the motorcycle and like suzuki's like yeah we invented a spring the spring the the, the so the spring so just- a basic newtonian uh, machine yeah are <laughs> you working Archimedes? for years Fucking Archimedes. Have you heard of the guy? Eureka? Uh, Honda doesn't use Velcro. They just have tiny robots that hold hands and let go. (laughs) The Care Bears at a microscopic level. (laughs) Honda robots hold. And there goes that advertising. (laughs) We're going to get a call tomorrow. We're going to need that Africa twin back. Son of a. We'll have our tiny little hands over there to come get it. They'll make us send our robots to you guys. P.S. We want you to put all the Mountain Dew back in the panniers. <laughs> oh, but we what get, if we drank it? We're getting thirsty. <laughs> our robots are thirsty. Uh, our, robot, our robot overlords demand trivia. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ooh, good times. Um, No reason to talk about it, but I just noticed yesterday that the uh, Honda Rebel 1100 review is the number one story so far this year on Asphalt and Rubber. I'm... I- that's fucking weird, man. I like that bike a lot. It's interesting. I forget what I said about it, but it's interesting. You said you liked it a lot, I too. I did. I did like it. I enjoyed riding it. I'm not going to go buy one, but it's, it's it's kind of... I'm going to buy one of those before I buy a Harley. Well, huh? that news... There's, there's some Harley... The, the 1260 pic- Custom, uh-huh. nah, I like that. I can't... I saw it, and I was like, I'd put that in the garage. Um, We got to get out of this show... Uh, I don't think we're gonna have time for Corey West, so but I guess we'll have Corey to get West, to him next time. Waiting. No, you know, I just what can I say? We're well, like an hour and ten into the show. It happens sometimes. Maybe we run out of time. We'll get him next episode. Next episode, we'll have Corey West. Until then, follow us on Instagram at WeBrapTalk. No, at BrapTalk. Twitter is at WeBrapTalk. Email is WeBrapTalk at gmail.com. and then the Facebook is BrapTalk Motorcycle Podcast. Let Corey West know we're sorry that we couldn't get him in on this tr- shout out. This what this this episode, next episode, <laughs> definitely Corey West. Leave him a video message. He loves that. He does. He <laughs> listens to them. All right, sir. Good talk. Make good choices. Safety third. See you out there. Bye. Bye. <laughs>